0: Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA here on the HIV radio network. Our producers, Mr. Mark Groves. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened-to talk shows throughout the United States. 145 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you uh, in our listening audience. You can follow me on Facebook at Carrie Hall. It's that simple, C-A-R-Y. Somebody asked me how to spell it the other day. So it's C-A-R-Y Hall on Facebook, or our website is dot com. If you've got questions, if I can help you with anything regarding health insurance anywhere in the country, please feel free to send me an email, and I will get back to you. I have guests in studio today, so this is not an open-line show, but... As always, we have operators standing by to take your calls if you have questions. You can reach them at 877-385-2224. That's 877-385-2224 that even works in Guam. I know that because we actually got a call from a group in Guam. So there <laughs> Yeah, no, hard to believe, isn't it? But it actually but it's true. It was a missionary group, if you can believe that, but anyway. Yes, indeed. So 877-385-2224 if you need help. Um we are happy to help you. Um, individual health insurance, Medicare group, whatever the case may be. Um, we are certainly there to help you if we can. Um, again, on the website, com, we continually post new information up there. There are blogs up there about what's going on in the Puzzle Palace in D.C. Um, regarding the repeal, replace, maybe repeal, maybe not replace, whatever it is we're going to do with Obamacare. We're trying to keep you up to date on that, um, and we will be adding more to that, and we will be doing some upcoming shows on that topic as well. Uh, to keep you informed about what is happening or what's not going to happen, so again, that's on the website americashealthcareadvocate.com. dot com. So, in studio today with me is Jess Spencer from Holmes Murphy. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Great when to when see did we you. start talking about this? About what a month, two months ago? We were going to we started doing
1: this. At least took a while to coordinate
0: calendars. Yes, indeed. So uh, Jeff Spencer is the senior vice president for Holmes Murphy. They are a health insurance uh, brokerage firm here in Kansas City. They work all over the country, um, do a lot of large group work. Uh, He came in studio today and, and, and offered to talk today about this new Greater Blue program here in Kansas City. And the fact that they've actually used it and had some pretty significant success with it. So we're going to talk about that, a little bit about that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Holmes Murphy and what you guys do and your background. I know you uh, played baseball for KU.
1: First I said basketball, and you said, no, that wasn't right. Yeah, nobody (laughs) would accuse me of being on the basketball team, for sure. I thought he's
0: kind of—he's tall, but he's not that tall. How could he—so baseball, you were a baseball player Yes, baseball. I was a baseball
1: player, absolutely. Um, Back in the late 80s, the, the only uh, synopsis of my baseball career that I can give you is that my coach one time in the University Daily Kansas said that if Spencer drives in more runs than he lets in, that he's had a really good game. <laughs> and I couldn't really argue with that statement. I like so. that. Drives...
0: <laughs> Yeah, that that there there's there are some folks on our current baseball team in this town you could say that about but
1: anyway. This is true. This is true.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you guys do. You've got some pretty interesting programs. I'm working with you on a couple of your captive programs. Yep. I mean, Holmes Murphy's a you know, pretty vibrant company in terms of all the things that you guys do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're a we're an eighty five year old uh privately held firm. We're we're uh, owned by a shareholder group. Of 108 people, Uh, we're a non-family-owned business, and we think we're fairly unique in the industry. In the fact that we've got about 900 employees, 13 offices throughout the Midwest, Um, we'll do about 150 million dollars of revenue this year. Um, I started the office here in Kansas City uh, 14 years ago. Uh, I just uh, I I was with Unum prior to that in a national accounts role. Left there, went and hung a shingle by myself with another associate. We're really nothing. We had no revenue, no clients. Um, but I trusted I, the I guys. Can, I can we all been that. there at some point in our career, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but I knew the guys at Holmes Murphy from my trips to Des Moines and selling them products when I was at Unum I trusted the guys and, uh, they gave me an opportunity to start a shop here. Uh, you fast forward to today, uh, 14 years later, we've got about 60 employees. We just relocated to the Crossroads district here locally. We consult on a lot of different things. We do employee benefit consulting, mainly for large employers. We do property casualty consulting. Um, we do work in the surety bond space for the construction industry. We have a niche product that we offer to architects and engineers, uh, and we do also quite a bit of work in the captive space. So we have a very diverse uh, set of skills that we provide to the marketplace. Uh, I think what we'll talk most about today is just the stuff that we're doing in the traditional consulting space with large employer groups in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and let's kind of let, let's kind of talk about that because um, th- this whole new Greater Blue thing that uh, is kind of the buzz around town with brokers and 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 employers that you know have heard about it and know a little bit about it. Um, it's a different way, um, to deliver healthcare and health insurance now at, at what, you know, can be a significant savings, um, to the client, but there are some restrictions with it and there are, you have to be able to accept some of that to make it work. Right. But so talk a little bit about why you guys were interested in this. And then
1: we can talk about
0: an actual case that you, that yep. you did where you have numbers. I see all this stuff spread out. Absolutely. Yeah. got My notes
1: with me. Yeah. Um, I think what's gone on in our market for a long time is that network choice has not been something people have had to contemplate for a long time. If you go back 20 years ago, um, and you know this probably better than I do, that you know, certain carriers back in the old days, you'd, you'd choose one carrier for a St. Luke's network and another carrier for a Shawnee Mission network. Over time, everything kind of morphed where every carrier had every every hospital or every provider in the network yeah. or in the city. So um, I think what, what Blue Cross has done with the Greater Blue Network is kind of taken things back to where they used to be In the fact that now with that network option on the table, um, employers have a choice to make on a go-forward basis around, you know, do I do I make sure that everybody has access to a broad network and pay a certain price for that? Or do I, have, I now have the ability that, um, depending on how I want to structure my plans, how I want to structure my contributions – um, how my employees are situated in the in the in the in the, the metropolitan area geographically um, they now have a real choice to provide their employees relative to a more narrow network um, that still provides very broad access from a provider and hospital standpoint but it does provide meaningful financial savings to the employer for their employees that do access the network uh, through the greater blue program
0: so you know it's funny you and I were talking before we came into studio uh, today about this you know the uh, Claims costs are going up. Right. Okay. You you start looking at things like prescription drug costs for drugs like Humira, some of these other drugs that we super statins, these other things that you see out there. The, the cost of healthcare is not becoming less; it's becoming more. Part right. of that is because we're finding more advanced treatment programs that work. Right. You couldn't somebody that had Hep C fifteen years ago was going to live and die with Hep C. You, there's nothing you could do to cure it. That's changed now. Right. But that costs money. So a, as those numbers go up. The, the, we're seeing significant premium increases coming across the table from the carriers because they're covering these claims. They're covering the losses, whatever the case may be. They're, you know, the traditional answer has been, and you and I were talking about this, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit down. We're going to raise the deductibles to X. We're going to move the copays over here. We're going to jack up the, the out-of-pocket max, we're gonna, and we're going to put a deductible in front of the prescription drug benefits or something along those lines. Right. And that, that cost shifting simply doesn't work.
1: Um, over the long term. No, and we, we were talking earlier. I mean, we've been seeing more 20-plus percent rate increases in our book of business with our large employer groups, whether they're on a fully insured or a cost-plus or a self-funded contract than we've ever seen before. And you get to a point as an employer where you just reach your choke point. I can't continue to pay more. The levers that you just talked about are the ones that everybody previously would pull to try to make the renewal tenable. Let's get it to a point where we can live to fight another day. And I think as employers run out of, of, of bandwidth around their desire to do those types of things um, to their employees, that's why I think the network choice is one that's that's a distinguishing differential in the marketplace today because it does allow people through this platform to be able to access care at the lowest price price point in the market because of the way the reinsurance contracts are structured. um, It gives them a a significant benefit around the back end costs of large claims that funnel through their plan.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We'll get into this when we get into the actual story of of this very large client that you actually did this one of the first ones to do it here in the Kansas City Metro. The folks were pretty happy when when the numbers came out and, and they were told what their renewal was going to be, and there was significant willingness to accept um, yep. that 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 network with it still has eleven thousand uh, uh, points of, of access. You know, you've got eight or nine hospitals in the thing. We'll talk about those as well, yep. but. It's amazing how when you're putting money back in somebody's pocket or not taking it out of their pocket, there's a willingness to look a little further.
1: Yeah, in this, in this specific instance, um, you know, we were dealing with a, 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 a public entity. And so uh, the challenge that you have in the public entity space is that they can't manufacture money like a private employer can. So when we talked to them about this alternative and ran through all the traps that we needed to to make sure that it was a viable option for them, um, it was one that was very well received by that group. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk
0: about that group. We're going to talk about what they did, how they did it, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what this could mean for you um, if, if you're an employer out there. And you don't have to be a large municipality. You'd be amazed how far down this number goes. It actually goes down to 25 employees now uh, on the Blue Cross and Blue Shield platform. So we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by visiting the website americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got questions or a comment, send me an email. Um, there are a lot of blogs up there. There's a lot of information up there on any topic you may want to touch regarding health insurance or health care. So go up on the website. You'll see a lot of information there, including all the podcasts. So there's everything up there from programs on cancer care to uh, Obamacare to you name it, we've got it. It's on the website, com. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Mark Groves, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Jeff Spencer, Senior Vice President at Holmes Murphy. Uh, if you want to reach out to them, you maybe you've got a municipality, uh, maybe you're interested in their PNC program. We're going to talk about that a little later in the broadcast or their specific architect program, or one of their captives, um, it's holmesmurphy.com. Pretty easy. holmesmurphy.com is their website. They'll be happy to chat with you. Um, a lot of experience, and these folks know what they're doing. Okay, so you you you, you really kind of stepped out there with this, because you, in speaking with the guys at Blue Cross, you were one of the first ones to embrace this and do this. What made you decide that you were willing to take this risk and go to a client yeah. and say, okay here it is. We're all going to have some skin in the game on this, and this is how we're going to overcome this 20% plus increase that we're seeing, as you mentioned earlier, folks
1: get. Uh, So we started working with this public entity back in the beginning of 2016. Their their plans renewed mid-year, so when we first uh, picked up the relationship, we kind of had to take that first renewal in in 7 of 16 and just kind of live to fight another day. Um, We continue to monitor the performance of the plan over the following year, and as we started to approach the renewal that just got completed for July 1st of this year, it was very clear to us that there would be some financial headwinds for the renewal. And as I said previously, in the public entity space, the biggest challenge that those types of buyers have is that they can't manufacture money. Um, they have a pie of dollars that go into funding their entire operation. And what our goal was to try to do is to make sure that the slice of the benefits pie uh, didn't get any bigger. So as we started talking about alternatives with the with the decision makers, the finance folks and whatnot, um, the, the Greater Blue Network would started to to create some it, it, it started to create some traction in the marketplace, and we started to look at how this might actually apply to the group that we were talking about. Um, and so we went back to to the folks at Blue Cross and just said, "Hey, look, there's where the financial situation is relative to the renewal." Um, we negotiated a little bit based on some previous historical information that we had had and some planned performance, and we're able to get it down to a number that that really still wasn't tenable to the buyer. Um, so we went back to Blue Cross and just said, look, if we went in, down the path of of using Greater Blue as the only network option, what alternative would you give us? And so they came back, and they gave us a significant decrease uh, relative to what the renewal percentage would be, and they gave us a guaranteed uh, cap on what the rates would be for the following year. So you got two things. you got a significant reduction, you've got a
0: cap. Correct. Which is a big deal yes. because now, instead of going, you're, you've got it planned out now for the next few yes. years— and and you've got some time to work through this and get a better feel. If this works,
1: what does it do to claims? How does it all work? So this this group uh, their spends right about twenty two million dollars. So the the increase they were looking at without the blue uh, or the Greater Blue Network was going to turn out to be about a three million dollar increase in the in the current seventeen eighteen year. And if we did just a general projection for the following year, it would probably be another five to six million dollars. So we were looking at a total potential two-year impact of about $8, $8 million of additional expense That's to their health care plan. That's well, huge. It's, it's untenable yeah. for, a public, for a private buyer, uh, much more so for a public entity. Right. Um, so we went back to Blue Cross. Um, they essentially gave us a, 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 an offer on the current year where they would not increase the premiums and then gave us a cap in the second year. When we run the math on how that actually looks for a two-year period of time, the difference between what it would have been under the traditional model and what we ended up with under the greater blue model, was about a seven million dollar difference in overall gross healthcare spend for this entity. Seven million dollars. Yes. Yep, that is a lot of yeah. money. <laughs> so, needless to say, when you bring that to a, a, an administrative board, to a school board, uh, or anybody else, that's going to give you a, that's going to get their attention around how this might operate. So, from a gross premium standpoint and an investment standpoint, that was the starting point that we that we used to to, to start the discussion and really got people's attention. Yeah, I bet it did. Yeah, when it you, did. When you tell somebody
0: Absolutely. you're going to save them $7 million, Yeah, you're, you're, and, and, you're, and you're not going to have an increase in, in that particular year, Correct. that's pretty significant.
1: And we've got the budget now all the way through 7 of 19, so we know what our next uh, two years of spend are going to be.
0: So so you, so n- now we get into the you, okay we 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 got their attention mm-hmm. um, we, and we'll come back in the in the next thing we'll talk about what that network looks like and what we actually yep. did yep. but then how did you decide to approach we got to sell this yep. to a public entity group of employees yep. okay who are used to having really good benefits making small contributions typically yep. okay and we're going to come in and say.
1: X, Y, Z. What What did right. you do? What, how did you figure? So there were quite a few steps in the process, and I would give our team a lot of credit. Uh, the, the two guys that really managed the relationship for us really dove in the weeds and got into the details of the program and and did a really good job of building the story. So we really had a much many different constituents we had to address during the process. Um, we had to talk to a benefits committee. Uh, we had to talk to the union. We had to talk to the administrative leadership, and we had to talk to the board.
0: So there was a union involved. Yes, Okay, the, the, the board and, and all the administrative yes. people. That's so a lot of moving it, it parts. Was a very,
1: it, we kind of cascaded the messaging down the, the, <clears throat> the food chain, so to speak. But really what we ended up having to educate people about was there were some plan design changes. So the group uh, previously had two high-deductible health plans, one that actually was on the Preferred Care Blue Network, one that was on the Blue Select Plus or Greater Blue Network already. So they had had a little bit of exposure Experience, to yeah. that network. But the majority of their folks, I think 69% of their people were on an HMO. Right. Um, one of the things we had to work through with Blue Cross around the filing is we had to move the HMO people onto a, onto an EPO. Right. So that they no longer had out of – they still had no out-of-network benefits. Um, and then we had to transition the HGHP into, into just a greater blue network uh, platform. So there was a lot of discussion around plan design, making sure that the plan designs, from an actuarial standpoint, were properly built. And Blue Cross did a nice job of kind of coming back to us with some things we thought were – we fair from an actuarial value, stand, value standpoint. Um, the second thing that we had to do was really look at disruption. And we can talk about the network, I think, in the next segment. We but will. We went through a process, and essentially we created a a, a, a process that we were able to figure out every, down to the, basically down to every single individual in their population, where they resided, and what their network access was relative to um, where they resided, and the disruption between Preferred Care Blue and Blue Select, or Greater Blue. Um, and that was a, a pretty... Uh, detailed process. That was a key um, piece, wasn't um, well, it? Well, without that, we really wouldn't have been able to get buy-in from people because the the, the balance that they had mm-hmm. to have was this: look, we can all continue to maintain access to the Preferred Care Blue Network, uh, and we're all going to pay. I think the, a family of a family, a person and family coverage had they gone down the old path of the two of the the eight million dollar rate increase, that that family would have paid fifty three hundred dollars a year more wow. in premium over two years. That's reality. So, as stewards of the plan, do we do we? You know, stay where we're at, or do we come over here and say, "Hey, there will be a handful of people in our organization. They're going to have to change providers. Um, are we willing to to ask them to make that change for the fiscal value that we're getting from changing it into the network, and for the greater good of everybody? Absolutely, and the greater long term good of everybody. Correct, because the now they're now in a situation where they're on a sustainable platform. That they're still going to have situations where they have bad claims. Yours, everybody does, but they're going to be in a position on a go forward basis that they're accessing care at the lowest price point in the city. And I think it's going to allow them to contain a much, maintain a much more stable price point uh, over the long haul. Which it already has. Right? And, and
0: will as we continue yep. forward, when we come back after the break, we're going to now drill down. We're going to talk about what is the network? What are the hospitals? What are the access points? How does it work? Um, and we t- we'll tell you a little bit more. We'll also tell you, how did the people receive this? What was the response back? These are union, um, uh, you know, government-type employees. So, Civil service, whatever the case may be. We're going to talk about how this was received and what they were able to do. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, send me an email. I'll get you an answer. Our producer today, Mr. Mark Groves. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up with this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Jeff Spencer talking about the Greater Blue Network, this program that is now in place with Blue Cross and Blue Shield. These folks were some of the first folks in town to step out there, put a large client into this program, and what, what what I wanted to do with this show was illustrate why this is a viable solution. How, you know, you've heard Jeff talk about they have stability now all the way through 2019. They know where they're going. They understand that you know what what the rates are going to be, and and they've got a program that that has been accepted by the population. And we're going to talk about how they did that in this segment, and how that how they drilled down to the individuals. Uh, as well as uh, what is this network so we'll, we'll get into that in this segment the website for Holmes Murphy if you'd like to chat with him or send them an email holmesmurphy.com holmesmurphy.com they do property casualty they do bond work they do they have a special program for architects and they have a couple of captives one of which I'm working with so uh, they've got a lot going on uh, their offices are right here in Kansas City um, and the guy that started is sitting right here in the studio Jeff Spencer all right. So, how? <laughs> first of all, let's talk about. We'll, we'll switch gears here real quick. Yep. The network, because yes. we've talked about. All right, so, so who's in the network? Let's get to that.
1: Well, so it's a narrow network. It's basically up and down I, up and down I thirty uh, five. Liberty Hospital in the north, North Kansas City Hospital, Truman Medical Center, uh, Children's Mercy, um, University of Kansas Hospital, Shawnee Mission Medical Center, uh, and Olathe. So, and, bo- and both Trumans and both Trumans, yeah. Exactly. So, so,
0: so here's here's what I think is interesting about that. When you talk to the people, you guys did a study, and I I, I heard this from the folks at the cross. What, how much time it would take any individual within that population right. of that group to get to a facility, and it was pretty reasonable. Am I correct?
1: No, it was. Um, you know, I think that what you have to look at is is if if. A lot of how the network will apply most effectively is how your people are situated from a geographic standpoint. Right. Um, and so uh, because of the, the presence of, of uh, Children's Mercy, KU Med, North Kansas City, and Liberty, what we're finding is a lot of our, our clients that are north of the river have a very good footprint relative to how the network is structured today. Yeah. So what we ended up doing was, was going through that process, and I think where we ended up looking at the challenges we were going to have was going to be for people that – um, Lee Summit, for example, we yeah. have a number of people that live in the Lee Summit or Eastern Jackson County area that would commute to north of the river to, the, to our client um, in that market over there, east of the river that, or in East Jackson County. They don't have the best network coverage in the Blue Select network today. The other challenge that we had is up in St. Joe. We had folks that come from St. Joe they have to down, come down to, Liberty. to work down down in that area, um, and you know, the Mosaic Group is not in the in the network today. Right. So our biggest our biggest um, Educational opportunity was to be able to show people that, okay, you know, we had a very high penetration in the network already, but these are the folks that are going to be the most highly impacted. So we really focused our communication efforts on educating those people relative to, okay, here's your providers that are not in the network. We actually got a data file from Blue Cross, we could go by person and show each individual person that would be disrupted, what their disruption was and what it would be for. What we found a lot of the fallout in the network was around chiropractors, for example, based on the utilization of this group. That's interesting. Blue Cross was good to getting most of those chiropractors to join the network. I don't think they'd focused on putting chiropractors in the Blue Select Plus network, but they got a lot of those folks in. But then the other part of it is that we actually provided group meeting opportunities and individual one-on-one meeting opportunities with these folks that were disrupted from their provider to help them find a new provider and show them how they could go get that um blue cross did a nice job of assisting with us with some directed communications relative to those affected individuals. And so what we tried to do prior to the this fl- fl- switch getting flipped a couple weeks ago um, on this network was just give people every opportunity we could to give them access to information so they can make an educated decision around who my new provider is. And were. that had to make a tremendous difference on how this was received. It was. And? And and what we found to this point is, you know, um, we're only a few weeks into the transition. Yeah, but the overall reception. The overall reception was very positive because I think when people weighed all of the different considerations in the equation. $5,000 a year. It's it's how much money am I being payroll deducted? Right. Am I preserving my benefits? Because the plan designs themselves didn't change. And quite frankly, some of the plan design provisions that we put into the EPO were an enhancement over the HMO that was in place. Um, the fact that um, that we know that what, what our costs are going to be for the next two years and we can plan ahead, with all the different considerations that went into the final decision, I think that people recognize the fact that they said, look, if you can help our coworkers who are going to be impacted and, and educate them about how they might be able to find a, a, another provider that's in the network, then we're all going to be supportive around receiving this well and being supportive of helping our, our coworkers understand why we did this.
0: So the single most important part of that whole thing was communication. Without a doubt. Without. That was it. The communication back to the people and explain it. So whether it's 10,000 lives, 3,000 lives, or 300 lives, or 30 lives, it's the same thing. It's all about education. You've got to be able to communicate it to the folks. Here's something else I think is interesting. By having KU in there and having Children's Mercy in there, you take away a lot of issues regarding specialty care. Correct. Whether it's cancer care at KU or the Alzheimer's program at KU or whether it's the heart program at Children's Mercy or, you know, or, or the preemie program or giving them access to those two hospitals yep. in this city had to make a huge difference in, ter- in terms of a comfort level for people knowing if I get cancer, yep. I can go K, KU's got a tremendous reputation. Yep. Uh, you know, if I have a heart issue, KU's got a tremendous reputation. If I've got a child that's got a specialty need Children's Mercy is the best hospital between here and Denver, right? For those issues, so you've got all of that inside the network. That had to be a relief
1: to these people. No, it is. I think when they can get uh, very quality okay. care in those very specific instances, it gives them peace of mind to know that they have that in their in their network. Um, you know, I think we're again. It goes back to what I said before. I mean, if you've got a group of folks and and for our clients that are properly suited geographically, um, it's an oper- it's an alternative that we are um, talking to every single one of our customers about. Um, because I do believe that people are looking at the overall spend of healthcare and, and looking at us as their advisor going, what else is out there that you can help me with? Um, and some people look at it and say, you know what, let's use this as an alternative, maybe a slice option. So we have a lot of clients that um, are now uh, putting it next to Preferred Care Blue. So you can get the same plan design, but I'm getting, a, a, I'm getting one plan design on a PPA or on the Preferred Care Blue and the other one on Blue Select Plus. It allows employees to make a choice relative to the network as opposed to plan design, which is what we've been doing historically for years.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing that's interesting now is that, they, as you said, you can put it side by side. Mm-hmm. You've got 100 employees, and we, you know, we do this on some of our clients as well, where, where the employer will say, well, here's what the contribution is going to be for this program, yep. and here's what the contribution is
1: going to be over here for this program. Correct. You make the choice. Right.
0: It's remarkable.
1: Well, and it's amazing <laughs> when uh, somebody can buy the same thing for you know ten percent less or more or more. yeah, it, it's amazing how people tend to migrate to that option. yeah,
0: it is. and the other thing that I think is interesting is where where it where it hasn't been all in at one time. Um, you know, the history that we've shown is that when we offer these kind of options. Usually in the first year, you get a 20%, 30% buy-in. If they've never done this before and never been exposed to it, by the time you get to the second, third year, you're up to 70%, 80% of the people that are going, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. The other guys in the factory said, X, this is working.
1: And it makes sense. Well, you get a couple of Fosberries that will go over the bar backward the first year and jump in. And then once everybody knows that everything's okay, that's when you get a higher uptake. And I would tell you that, you know, when you get in a position like that, I think it gives you the opportunity maybe to make a complete transition to the Blue Select Plus network. Um, But to your point earlier, I mean, it's all about – for us, there's a very specific process that we have to go through. Um, And it's one that you really – that we have to to go through really every step of it with the employer group to educate them about what this looks like. Um, And I think once people are educated from an overall administrator or or CFO position to understand the impact financially and fiscally to the plan and how it can position an employer – for more sustainable, long-term, affordable health care. I think that's the most important part. But then it's around, all right, now how are you going to help my people understand what exactly this is and make it not sound so scary. Right. We're changing the network. Oh, my gosh, I have to change doctors. Well, no. Actually, you know, one out of every 10 people really do, and we're going to put our arms around that that 10% to help them understand exactly what they need to do to be able to still get care that's within the network.
0: What did you do? Because it had to be a question. What did you do when the question was, well, what's the quality of care going to be like in this network if it's not the Preferred Care Blue?
1: I, I don't, we didn't really have any issues around that. I mean, I think people recognize the fact, you know, Blue Cross has a good reputation. They understand that they've got, they've got solid networks and good customer service. And part of the pitch was, look, it's still a Blue Cross plan. You know, and, and, you, you know, the doctors that are in this network today are also in the Preferred Care Blue network, too. Okay. So you're not, good point. You're not getting a lower level of care. Um, you don't get in the weeds around how reimbursements work behind that's the not, scene. That's they're for not the CFO's in that discussion. Anyway, Jeff. All they care yeah. about is, hey, I can still go to Doctor Jones, and he's still going to see me, and I and I may pay a little less for doing it because I'm getting it through a different network. But I can still go see that person that I've had a, a, a you know, physician patient relationship with for the last decade. And it's just a matter of helping people understand just some of the nuances of how the network works without getting too far in the weeds. So you
0: didn't get a lot of pushback on that, and that's interesting.
1: But, yeah, not, and, not a ton. Yeah, and I, I would imagine it's
0: something that had to do with the fact that you've got hospitals like KU, and the North Kansas City's got a great reputation. Yeah. KU's got a great reputation, and obviously Children's Mercy's got a great reputation. Yep. So the program works. All right. If you want information, HolmesMurphy.com, HolmesMurphy.com. If you want to reach out to Jeff and chat with him about this and what his experience is, um, you know, maybe your municipality or, or a group that uh, has this issue, we'd be happy to help you. Once again, the website, HolmesMurphy.com. We come back in the break. We're going to talk about some of the other things they do because they do some pretty interesting stuff um, in some niche marketplaces that might be a for for our audience. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting on the HI radio network coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, you can find out more about us by visiting our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer today, Mr. Mark Groves. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. We're going to continue this last segment of the show with Jeff Spencer, Senior Vice President at Holmes Murphy Here in Kansas City, their website, holmesmurphy.com. Jeff kindly came into studio today to talk about this whole Greater Blue program, the success they've had with it, why it might make a lot of sense for you Um, if you're out there. So uh, their website is holmesmurphy.com. But now we're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the things he mentioned in the first segment that they do, one of which happens to be their captive program, which uh, I'm actually involved in. And and, uh, let's talk a little bit about that because you've got some pretty... We're working on a really unique one that we're involved with out of Texas, but you've got some pretty unique stuff going on with this captive program. Captives have become extremely popular and we've seen explosive growth with these captives because they contain cost yep. and they focus on health care and, and driving down the cost of health care, not just health insurance premiums. So,
1: Absolutely. No, we've been, uh, so we have a subsidiary company called Innovative Captive Strategies. It's uh, run out of our Des Moines office, uh, started in 1999 actually uh, by Dan Keogh, who's currently the chairman of Holmes Murphy overall. Uh, and it was started to help our property casualty customers have a different way to, to fund their risk. Um, so it's been a very healthy part of our company. Uh, It's grown significantly over the last 15, 16 years. Um, Really, what we've seen the biggest growth over the last four or five years is in the benefit captive space. And to your point, um, you know, this is just another way to finance healthcare risk. And I think a lot of employers, especially in the mid-market, which I would say is probably 50 to 100 lives, you're probably in that same space, too, where you see an employer that says, look, I get my renewal every year 60 days in advance. It's 22 percent. I've got no data. And they've just basically no, run out of hope that they can't stand it anymore. I
0: told you the story for a while the air about the guy that called me from Michigan City, Indiana, yeah. and said, if they come in here for the 20% increase, I'm firing them on the spot. Yeah,
1: no, I get it. I get it. So um, we have seen a significant amount of growth in the captive space, especially in that, like I said, that, that 50 to 100 life market where there's not a lot of access to data. It creates a lot more transparency. Uh, you become more actively engaged in your healthcare spend. It changes the messaging relative to how you engage your employee population. Uh, around wellness and risk management. So we've kind of taken a property casualty mentality of, you know, cost follows risk in the PNC world. Uh, we believe that you can manage risk in the benefit space also. So if you manage your risk of the population that you're insuring for health care, then the, then the if you manage the risk, the cost will follow. And so it's really an interesting concept. It's one that we've seen probably more growth in that market in our practice in Kansas City than we have in any other space other than the large group market. Um, and I think it's a, it's something that's here to stay. Oh, yeah, Um, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it's, again, you know, you've got to be the right buyer. You've got to be entrepreneurial and understand risk. Yeah, Um, and you've also got to be willing to buy
0: in and do the work because you can't just sit back. I mean, you've got to, you know, uh, on the captives that I work with, you know, outside of you guys – you know, there are requirements. Yep. You have to have a wellness program. You have to have a smoking cessation program. You've got to have disease management programs, yep. all of which are supplied by us. Yes. You, yep. the broker, you know, what we do. But the employer's got to buy in.
1: No, it's a behavior change for the employer. Yes. You can't just sit back and let the health care be done mm-hmm. to you. You have to take the ownership of it and oh, be right. able to tell your employees that, you know, we are going to engage you in, in, in your lifestyle and things like that because that's the, the major driver of what our costs are. So it does become a bit of a cultural shift for some employers, depending on where they are on the healthcare continuum. Um, but for us, it's a lot of fun because it's a different discussion than just you know spreadsheet. Can I renewals. spreadsheet your insurance? Yeah. Nobody likes to do that anymore. Yeah. So um, we're excited about kind of where we're positioned in the in that space relative to our market here, uh, because of the relationships we have with some of the networks uh, in our in our market here. I think it's something that we're going to continue to see a lot of growth in.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, yeah. I, I really, it, it, it's amazing to me, like the guy I told you about from Michigan City, Indiana, yeah. that people, employers are just fed up with this. Yeah. They can't, they, they, you know, as you said, there's no data. They yeah. have no idea of what's going on in mm-hmm. their population. They don't know what they're spending on or who's sick or, or, you know, where they need to improve. Right. And every year they just keep getting, it just keeps getting passed yeah. through. And, it, and the answer has been cost shifting. Right. You, people are tired of doing that, right? And it's you're getting a lot of pushback from employees going, "Wait a minute, what do you mean my deductible is going to be five thousand right. dollars?" So, yeah. So, so talk a little bit about that, and then and then talk a little bit about you've got some, you know, your specialty program. You're, yep. You've got a, a great PNC program. What yep. about this program for architects?
1: So, we've been in the uh, architect and engineers business at Holmes Murphy for the better part of twenty five years. Um, we've got a significant relationship with a carrier uh, with some exclusivity in various markets. One of which is in. Uh, all of Kansas and Western Missouri. So in the architects and engineer space, there's some very particular things that they need to be covered for around professional liability, tail coverage, and things like that. So we have a group of folks um, that manage that that uh, relationship for us. We have about 350 architects and engineers, uh, engineering firms in Kansas and Missouri that use us as a consultant. Uh, on both property casualty and on the professional programs, and so there's just some really that, specific that's a nuances. Pretty good niche 350. It's first. it's been a very good niche for us, um, and one that continues to grow. Um, you know, there's a lot of history in this market around the architecture oh, industry. Yeah. A lot of great engineering companies. Many of our clients are folks that have left larger employers and decided to go out on their own. Um, and so the the, the the programs that we have are very specific to Holmes Murphy. Um, the the carrier relationships we have are proprietary. Um, and we have a group of folks that really understand that business. It is a completely different language uh, than just a traditional property casualty or liability relationship. So are you doing property casualty and benefits, for health
0: benefits to them as well, combining both of those pieces? I,
1: yeah, I would say that probably 30 to 35% of our clients uh, hire us as their consultant for property casualty and employee benefits both uh, on, on all size groups. Yeah, so it, we try to cross-sell it as much as we can. Um, sometimes the opportunity is there other times it's not but we'd like to you know capitalize on it whenever we can what do you
0: see happening in the PNC market we've talked a lot about health care mm-hmm. in this market and where it's going yep. how 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 is the PNC market running these days
1: oh the PNC market's been a soft market probably since we've had our office open here in Kansas City I think anybody that's been in that business for a long time would tell you that um, you know there's a lot of underwriting capacity and you know uh, if you're out shopping the market, um, you're probably going to find an opportunity to be able to buy the same coverage for less price. So it's been a challenge for us, but I think the fact that we're diversified in the captive business, uh, we own a company that does third-party administration for self-funded work comp plans, um, our diversification and other just other things than just traditional consulting has allowed us to kind of weather the storm. I think better than some of our competition. And you put you're able to put a complete package together, absolutely, which obviously makes a big difference. Yep. Yeah. Thank you
0: for coming in here. today. Thanks for having me. Great now, to see it was, you. It was, uh, you know, I think it's, it, you know, you bring a different perspective, and and I think it's important for the audience to hear this kind of thing and understand where it comes from. And, and on the Greater Blue side, um, you know, people, people, the first thing they do when they hear, well, it's going to be a narrow. Oh my God! I'm, not, you know, I'm not going to get to go to my pediatrician or my obstetrician or or my or my my you know my primary care guy. But, you know, when you talk about $5,200 coming out of somebody's pocket, that gets their attention. Absolutely. absolutely. It was obviously successful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for today. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting on the HIV radio network, coast to coast, across the USA. Goodbye, America.